Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to another episode of the Madhouse Podcast. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about Dark Side of the Ring Season 1. A while back, I did uh, Season 2. Uh, season 2, uh, a while back I did Season 1. Let me see. They got me all messed up now. Uh, a while, a couple of episodes back, I did the first season of uh, Dark Side of the Ring, which aired back in 2019. Season 2 dropped, uh, man, I want to say right at the beginning of the pandemic. So it was interesting to watch this kind of unfold. But uh, I'm going to... If you heard my episode for Dark Side of the Ring Season 1, I'm probably going to go through every episode one by one and then give you my overall opinion about it. Epi- season 1 only had six episodes. Season 2, they really upped it. It now has... Uh, yeah, Season 1 only had six episodes. Season 2 has ten. And one of them is actually a two-parter. Um... Uh, so we're gonna drive. We're gonna dive right into it right now. Uh, episode one and two uh, uh, is the life and career of Chris Benoit. Uh, if you don't know him, he was a wrestler who started off his career in uh, Canada, uh, transitioned over to um, uh, Japan, and came back to the United States. And Chris Benoit was probably one of the one of the best technical wrestlers around, known as the Rabbit Wolverine, and um, you know he was fearless. And there's nothing, something about this. He wasn't really the over. He wasn't. Uh, he was one of the guys that was probably above, uh, below six foot. Not really that muscular. Not really a guy that you would consider a professional wrestler. Uh, you know, the guy was maybe five foot ten, five foot eleven, two hundred pounds. You know, somebody who was not really built for for wrestling, but. The, the 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 determination he had to kind of carry on the legacy of, of what he established for himself of being uh, this this never give up never surrender type of attitude being the rabid Wolverine and he had an amazing career however uh, his uh, his life and his career came to a, a very dark and grim end. Uh, in 2006, uh, Benoit was Benoit was uh, Benoit was a great wrestler in all the places, whether it was in Japan, Canada, ECW, WCW, and even in the WWE. But for some reason, man, I want to say him being this this kind of a recluse professional wrestler. One of his finishing moves uh, was the diving headbutt, and one of this this stuff this. And it, I think it was kind of be the, the beginning of his downfall. You know, the whole idea of concussions and CTE, steroid abuse and things like that uh, resulted in Chris Benoit actually uh, not only committing suicide, but uh, actually taking the life of his own uh, wife and young son, which is why uh, Benoit has probably been erased from the, the history books of professional wrestling, especially within the WWE. Uh, they broke his story into two parts. Part one was basically channeling his life from early days in wrestling to the success that he was having and his relationship with Eddie Guerrero, who uh, was another he was another wrestler and uh, a close friend of Benoit's, but however, he actually passed away, I want to say about a year prior to, um, to Benoit's uh, suicide. 
and for some reason that kind of set off a chain reaction and was just real real kind of devastating to him and things like that and those two episodes were real grim you know you can say what you want about Benoit you know he was a great wrestler but his career is forever wiped from the uh, wiped from the annals of his uh, of wrestling history you know because of how it all ended really feel bad for his uh, oldest son who is still alive and the sister of his wife Nancy Benoit and uh that was probably one of the one of the tragic ones. It's not the saddest one. We'll get into that one later. But um, this was probably one of the great careers because they they kind of compared Chris Benoit to Eddie Guerrero, great wrestlers, similar rises to the top, but polar opposites when it came down to the end. Eddie Guerrero was always remembered as a great wrestler, a great man outside of the ring. However, when he passed away. He was still in good spirits and things like that, and he was still in good with uh, with you know the world of wrestling. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame the following year. Uh, but however, somebody like Chris Benoit, who same thing, great wrestler, great guy outside of the ring, but because of this tragic and dark end to his career and life, um, he's been he's. He's erased for that one thing. Like, you know, how some guys are remembered for having great careers, but because of how something ends, they, they, they're, they're, ever, they're forever remembered for that. You know, a lot of people like to think of somebody, look at musicians like, uh, like Michael Jackson and R. Kelly who have those stains on their careers, but people kind of forget about the good music that they made. Um, you know, look at the guys in the NFL, you know, in football, guys like, Chad Johnson, uh, Ray Rice, and uh, and Colin Kaepernick. You know these guys had solid careers in the NFL, but all that is tossed to the side because of how you know how it, how it ended. You know, and Chris Benoit, same thing. Chris Benoit was a great wrestler, had some great matches and great moments in 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 his career, but because of how it ended, you know, he's erased from it. Uh, Benoit's episode was broken into one and two. Episode three, uh, the life and crimes of New Jack. Now, those of you who didn't watch ECW back in the uh, the, the mid to late 90s, there was a wrestler by the name of New Jack who, to say he pushed the envelope when it came to, when it came to extreme violence in the ring is an understatement because this, this guy was crazy in a way that was just far beyond the the stuff that you know that was that was that was on a shoestring type of gimmick in the world of professional wrestling like what you he wasn't breaking the law but he was bending it you know really kind of just walking around it that that close i mean the guy was just he started off in smoky mountain wrestling in the early 90s being you know this black guy from South Central LA, you know, during the Rodney King stuff and all that other, and the OJ Simpson stuff, to kind of bring that to the wrestling, to the world of professional wrestling in a way that had never been seen before, was kind of innovating. And then when he makes the jump to the to the land of extreme ECW, things just get worse from there. And despite ECW going out of business in 2000. New Jack is probably one of the only guys that didn't get a chance to come over to the WWE and, you know, to come onto wrestling's big platform and continue his career. He kind of stayed on the outs with, um, 
with uh, with you know all those uh, those outlaw wrestling federations who are just all about you know blood guts and violence. I mean, there's one instance, there's one story that I remember from New Jack's episode where he's in the ring. They call it the mass transit incident, where he's in the ring with a guy who looks like. Uh, you know, who looks like a you know a 25 year old wrestler, but in reality he's actually only 17. And New Jack goes in there and basically, you know, messes him up big time. You know, takes a a, a, a scalpel and really cuts him open. You know, leaves him in a pool of his own blood. And they got to the point it was so offensive and so violent that the guy's father actually sues ECW, but because the kid had lied about his age. New Jack got off. They couldn't do anything about it because the kid lied about his age, man. And this episode now, one thing I will say, uh, the the episode debuted in March of 2020, and I want to say it wasn't. Yeah, it was March of 2020 when the episode came out, and that was probably one of the last televised moments that we saw of New Jack. Because I want to say it was about maybe about a week ago or two weeks ago, maybe that we learned that the real guy, New Jack Jerome Young, had actually passed away. Uh, so that was those, those episodes were a little bit eerie to watch because you saw his life and crimes, you saw his you know his rough childhood upbringing, his uh, out of out of control mindset as a pro wrestler when he got to uh, you know Smoky Mountain and ECW, and then unfortunately he did pass away earlier uh, I think earlier this month, and uh, it's kind of eerie to watch that one. But that episode is just all types of violence. Episode 4 is the Brawl for All, which, if you didn't watch wrestling, uh, it was a one particular segment in the w, in the in 1998, I, was, I believe it was, uh, uh, the, head, the head writer, or the head booker, however you want to say it, the booker for WWE at the time was Vince Russo, had this idea that we're going to take, you know, eight, or yeah, it was eight of the toughest guys in the ring, put on some boxing gloves and legit have a fight in the ring and things like that and it went downhill after the first night it was supposed to be this four to five week uh long program where they were going to introduce a new superstar in uh dr death steve williams and have him win this tournament and go on to have a feud with the wwe champion at the time who was stone cold steve austin however this brawl for all went downhill in its first night because it did not make any sense and it did not look it was not all that appealing whatsoever uh the guy who won the tournament was actually bart gunn who was a mid-card guy who didn't really have a whole lot of direction didn't really have a name he what you know he wasn't really a popular guy he was just some random guy who was you know working for the wwe at the time and he actually wins it all now, according to Vince Russo, the guy who created this idea, he wanted to send a message to Bradshaw, you know, a.k.a. John Layfield, uh, because, you know, Layfield had been this uh, loudmouth southerner who said he could kick anyone's ass. So Russo had this idea to put together the Brawl for All tournament. They wanted to use the tournament to launch... Uh, Dr. Death Steve Williams within the eyes of the WWE, but unfortunately it didn't. Dr. Death faced uh, Bart Gunn in the, I think it was the first or second round of the tournament, and uh, unfortunately Doc 
tears his groin and then gets knocked out. And all that money they spent trying to build up Dr. Death went out the door. And now, you know, this was just a bad idea all the way around. It's regarded as probably the worst idea in all of professional wrestling to kind of have this shoot boxing match between a bunch of, like, underneath guys. And it sounded good on paper, but once they started executing it, it did not go anywhere near the the way it should have gone, you know, even though Bart Gunn won, he never got a run with Steve Austin. You know, they at WrestleMania that year, they put him in the ring with Butterbean, and Butterbean knocks him out within the first 15, 20 seconds. And, uh, you know, that's very unfortunate. A lot of the guys who participated in that uh, in that tournament, you know, kind of just, uh, just went over to the wayside. He had guys in there like Bob Holly, who was actually Bart Gunn's tag team partner at the time. Yeah, the Godfather. Godfather's probably the most famous one out of all the bunch because he's in the Hall of Fame now. He had a pretty good career after that. They didn't really stop him or anything like that. Um, had a bunch of other guys that not too many people heard of. You had Dr. Death Steve Williams in there who was supposed to be the winner, but unfortunately, you know, Bart Gunn took it a little bit too seriously and started knocking guys out for real. Of course, you had Bradshaw who also was a Hall of Famer and things in there. And they also had Dan Severn. If you watch, uh, if you watch the early days of of UFC, Dan Severn is one of the pioneers to kind of cross over from the UFC to the WWE. He was in it too, but was so offended and not really sold on the idea of uh, of this brawl for all tournament that even though he won his first match, he quit. So there was that. This episode was just depressing. Because yeah, they sounded these. This idea sounded pretty cool, but at the end of the day, it didn't. Re- it didn't get the attraction, and it didn't. Att- it, it didn't make any money. It lost money. Uh, it didn't really get the traction it should have gotten, and nobody. Nobody came out a winner, despite the facts that, the, despite the fact that guys were getting knocked out left and right. Nobody came out a winner in that episode. So, and even Vince Russo, the guy who came up with the idea, said he felt bad about the whole thing after watching it, you know, play back over and over again. Uh, episode 5 is the story of Superfly Jimmy Snuka and the mysterious death result uh, of his girlfriend at the time, Nancy Argentino. This episode kind of feels a little bit like a murder mystery because Jimmy Snuka and his girlfriend at the time, Nancy Argentino, were dating. And one day while they're on the road, Nancy turns up dead. And Jimmy's the only one who kind of is the only one who kind of knows what happened. However, you know, Jimmy doesn't really remember, and then they indict him about, and then it was like, what, 20, 30 years later that they indict him, Uh, but at that time, he was already in his, like, 60s or 70s, didn't really recall, and then the judge found him unfit to, to stand trial for court, and then a little while after that, he passed away himself. I mean, they, they chronalized the, 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 the career of Jimmy Snuka, and then when he meets Nancy for the first time, and it's kind of, it's all over the place, you know, it's, it's back and forth, they really don't know, you really don't know if either Snooker did it, or Snooker had something to do with it, but by the time they figure it out, you know, Snooker's already a, a senior citizen by this time, and then he passed away before, um, before anything like that, this one was kind of, this one kind of came and went, uh, episode six is the assassination of Dino Bravo. Now, Dino Bravo was a one of the not a top wrestler, but he was a well-known wrestler in the WWE in the early '90s. 
and he was a uh, you know he was a uh, a Canadian wrestler. Um, can't remember his real name, but he was uh, uh, he was uh, believed. Now it's alleged that he was uh, involved with uh, organized crime in Canada. So that being said, you know his life after wrestling didn't really get better. You know, after he he was still wrestling somewhat, so to speak, in the mid-90s, but one day, you know, they come home and they find he's been, you know, executed in his home, you know, mafia style, you know. Uh, This also felt like a murder mystery, but it was a little bit different, though, because a lot of people thought that Dino Bravo was involved with the world of organized crime in Canada, maybe even in Italy where he was from. Uh, but this one kind of, this is also an episode that kind of just flew off the radar really fast because you didn't know, like they, they, they leave you with a bunch of questions. Like if you saw the episode in season one about Gino Hernandez, where it kind of felt like a murder mystery, the Dino Bravo episode was the exact same thing. You really didn't know what, who, what he was involved with, who he was involved with or anything like that. And nobody really, they never really found out who did it. I think they did. I'm not sure if they did or not. Uh, but yeah, this episode, I don't want to say it was boring to me, but it really didn't have any interest because I didn't watch Dino Bravo growing up. But at the same time, the story's kind of interesting. Uh, episode 7, Dr. David Schultz and the slap heard around the world. Now, there, there. I don't know if it's still there, but there was a, there's a, there is a, a video. I know it's on YouTube. Uh, they, they're interviewing David Schultz. Now, David Schultz had been... Uh, this wrestler in the early 80s who who was uh, was kind of just doing his own thing he was looked he was vilified because of this one incident they interview him the guy who's interviewing him I can't remember his name I think it's like John Stossel or something like that yeah John Stossel is interviewing David Schultz about the world of pro wrestling and he feels as if the wrestling the world of wrestling is fake now because another wrestler had exposed all the secrets of pro wrestling saying it was fake it was staged david schultz takes that very personally which a lot of wrestlers who love the business really do so when stossel goes to interview him and says it's fake david schultz gives him a solid slap solid slap across the face and just it looks like he beats the shit out of him in this one interview that is actually on the air and Vince McMahon the owner of the WWE at the time had told Schultz give the interview in character because his character is supposed to be the villain so because guys like Hulk Hogan and and Macho Man Randy Savage were given like when they're interviewed by anybody they're in care they're in their character so David Schultz even though he was the villain gave his interview while he was in character and Man, it went off the rails really bad. Uh, really bad in a in a quick, almost like, like almost immediately it goes off the rails and it is just, it is just, it's uncomfortable to watch to see this guy, like abuse this this uh, this reporter. But at the same time, it's like you're, imagine going to a guy's job and telling him telling him that you know it's all fake, it's all phony. But yet, you know, the guys, like when you disrespect somebody's business that they've been working so hard for, 
it really it really goes off the rails really fast and it kind of blacklists David Schultz because now he's known as because even after he you know he started going to Japan and wrestling in other places he became known as the guy who beats up you know TV reporters and uh, even though that's not his character that's not his uh, persona in any way he just he became that the WWE ended up being in hot water after that and this was right as they were about to take off in the mid 80s to for the Wrestlemania aspects and you know David Schultz his career kind of went out the window because of this one interview and it's interesting to see that because they blur the lines of what is real and what is not about pro wrestling uh, interesting episode uh, even though it goes off the rails really fast um, episode 8 is called Cocaine and Cowboy Boots The Story of Herb Abrams uh, This episode was really mind-boggling to me Because Herb Abrams was a young was a guy Who wanted to get into the world of professional wrestling And wanted to have his own uh, wrestling promotion Now he did eventually start one uh, in 1990 Called the Universal Wrestling Federation The UWF It lasted from... Uh, it lasted from 1990 to 1996, and uh, it uh, it really it really went. Um, it didn't really gain the the attraction that he wanted. Like Herb Abrams was trying to be like a, a major, like what W. He tried to be like a competitor, like Paul Heyman, like Eric Bischoff, and like other people who ran other wrestling promotions to rival the WWE and Vince McMahon. Herb Abrams did it in a way that was just all over the place. I mean, the guy was just an eccentric, this eccentric, you know, businessman who just, who, I mean, the party never stopped with this guy. I mean, cocaine, you know, booze, hookers, you know, everything in this episode was like living the party to the fullest, but yet not doing what he initially set out to do. And that was run a local promoted wrestling federation. It started off pretty good in its early years because you had wrestlers who eventually were legends. Paul Orndorff was there. Cactus Jack was there. You know, other uh, a lot of guys who were mainstays with WWE ended up going to UWF the short while while it was available. You know, um, and man, this guy was just partying all night and working all day and. It, it, it really, it, 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 you didn't know whether or not this guy was either trying to, you know, make money or, you know, trying to run a legit business or just, you know, going crazy with money. You know, yeah, their first couple of years they made money, but it went off the rails really fast because the guy was just spending money on cocaine and hookers. I mean, this guy was just crazy. They say that like almost every person they interviewed for that episode describe Herb Abrams as a small man with a loud mouth and all he did really cared about was you know cocaine and hookers and the UWF closed in 1990 it went out of business in 96 and I think later that year Herb Abrams actually died the 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 ram the circumstances surrounding his death are really unknown because nobody really knows how he passed away the fact is that he had went, uh, I don't want to say he had went missing, but he had kind of mysteriously disappeared in the three days the last time anybody saw him. From the last from the last day someone saw him, three days later, 
you know, he had passed away. Uh, they say it was a heart attack. They say it was, you know, he, you know, he had a seizure. They say, you know, he went on a coke rage. They, they didn't know what the hell happened to this guy. But there's a lot of mystery and a lot of, uh, a lot of like uncertainty with this episode. It's kind of all over the place. They talk about Herb Abrams because it's really his story. And man, a lot of people say he faked his death to kind of get out of the debt he was in. And man. It, it 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 was just one a series of unfortunate events one after the other after the other it was crazy this episode is just all over the place episode 9 is the last ride of the road warriors the legion of doom or the road warriors however you want to call them road warriors hawk and animal are you know they they developed a reputation of being one of the most bruising uh, tag teams of all time. They started in the early 80s uh, in um, in uh, Jim Crockett promotion and they are probably one of the very few tag teams in the history of professional wrestling to win every single to win the tag team championships in every single major promotion uh, in the United States whether it was the NWA, AWA, WWE, WCW. You know, they were winning they were, they were a, a they are probably one of the most dominant tag teams of all time. However, uh, the party, the 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 life of a professional wrestler really took hold on Road Warrior Hawk. Uh, his real name is Mike uh, Mike Hegstrand, Mike Hegstrand, and you know he deal. You know he indulged in a lot of drugs. And I'm not gonna say Road Warrior Animal, who his name is Joe. His name is. Uh, Joe Laurinaitis, but these guys definitely uh, partied it up. But you know, for some reason, the Hawk, the party never stopped, man. And unfortunately, uh, he was able to get clean and sober. He was able to find God. I've noticed a lot of wrestlers who kind of do that out of the business who have had like one of those, you know, drug-induced, you know, profiles are, you know, they find God. You know, Shawn Michaels was one. Uh, Eddie Guerrero was one, Sting was one, you know, a lot of these guys, they're born again, uh, you know, Hawk was born again, but unfortunately, he, a little, I want to say about a year or two after he had gotten married and found the love of his life and started to settle down a little bit, he unfortunately passed away uh, in 2003, and uh, it was very unfortunate. Uh, Road Warrior Animal, uh, you know, Joe Laurinaitis, uh, his career kind of kept going. Uh, his career uh, kind of kept going, and much like the New Jack, you know, his 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 episode is a little bit eerie to watch as well. Like New Jack's episode aired in March of 2020, and New Jack passed away earlier this month. You know, Animal, the episode uh, aired in May of 2020, and. Uh, in May of 2020, and uh, Joe Laurinaitis, you know, Road Warrior Animal passed away uh, in September or October of 2020. So it's kind of all there, man. It's interesting to see how far these guys have come. But the Road Warriors are guys that were just an, a smash mouth in your face, uh, a smash mouth in your face uh, tag team. They were big, muscular guys who gave it to you. Uh, with the the hard way every single time, and it was just 
it was just something that really, really got over uh, with the fans that whether they were good guys or bad guys, you never you never wanted to cheer against the Road Warriors. That was a really good episode. And the final episode of, of Season 2 is the final days of Owen Hart. This is probably the tragic one. It's probably the saddest episode because uh, Owen Hart, who was the younger brother of Brett the Hitman Hart, uh, was... Was the, he was without a doubt the most talented of all the Hart brothers to come into the world of professional wrestling. He was out of the five guys who formed the Hart Foundation. He was definitely the one that really kind of stood out. And um, unfortunately, uh, uh, unfor- his career is chronicalized every everything. Uh, everything from his early days to breaking in and all that other stuff and Owen Hart uh, unfortunately on May 23rd 1999 Owen Hart uh, has an accident uh, on a live pay-per-view now this is where the controversy comes in uh, May 1999 the pay-per-view is called uh, Over the Edge and uh, the WWE has the, the match is Owen Hart versus the Godfather for the Intercontinental Championship. And Owen Hart was... Owen Hart wrestled under the name the Blue Blazer, which is like his superhero his superhero role that he had wanted... You know, that he, I don't want to say wanted to do, but they kind of forced him into doing it because they really didn't know how to push him following... Uh, the Montreal Screwjob. That's interesting because the Montreal Screwjob was covered in Dark Side of the Ring Season 1. The fallout from that was that Owen Hart was the only member of the Hart Foundation that stayed with the WWE, you know, after everybody had left following that incident. But for some reason, they couldn't really, they couldn't really find a whole lot of interesting storylines or guys for Owen Hart to work with. So they put him in his blue blazer gimmick that he had done back in the day, like back in you know I think in the early '90s or the late '80s when he was wrestling in in uh, Calgary, Canada. They put him in this blue blazer thing and his blue blazer gimmick, and he would like if anybody who's ever seen professional wrestling, if you know Sting, like how he would come down from the rafters, like he would be in that harness and he would drop from the rafters, right? The Blue Blazer had a similar interest, and it was kind of a spoof of that. You know, he was kind of comical and things like that. Well, unfortunately, in May of 1999, uh, during uh, during the pay-per-view, there now nobody saw this on television. While they were shooting it, uh, the people on TV saw... The promo, like the the video package they put together, which was like the promo package for the buildup between the Godfather and and the Blue Blazer. While they're showing that, at in the ring, all of a sudden, as Owen Hart is about to make his descent from the rafters to the ring, something goes very very wrong, and the harness that he is wearing that uh, that releases him into the ring malfunctions and rather than rather than him falling rather than him being caught by the by the cable uh like he normally does owen hart falls 80 feet and hits the ring like just bam falls smack into the ring and dies and 
it's very unfortunate. This is probably, like I said, it's 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 the most tragic episode of all of the ones that we've seen so far. And I don't know, man. This episode was really eerie. You know, they interviewed his wife and his kids, and they interviewed everybody who was involved with wrestling uh, that night, like uh, like uh, Jim Cornette and a lot of the guys who were working the show that night. And you see it in their face that you see it in their story and in their in their uh, in their words that that this was something that definitely was preventable. And I think the controversy came when Owen Hart fell. The WWE decided to keep the show going, and that's where the controversy comes in. Me personally, I would have stopped. I definitely would have stopped the show. Fucking guy died in the ring, and you know, fell from the fucking ceiling and hits the ring and dies. This episode was much more heartbreaking from a personal standpoint. Like when they interview Martha Hart, you know, Owen's wife, you know, she goes into not only does she break down you know, when she finds out about Owen, but she kind of goes into action and, you know, trying to figure out what happened, you know, why was, th- why did this happen and things like that. She actually sues the WWE in a, in a wrongful uh, death lawsuit and things like that. And unfortunately, you know, it's because of Martha Hart that we, as wrestling fans, no longer see any type of thing of Owen Hart from 2000 to now, you know, like, um, after, after they settled out of court, uh, following the lawsuit for Owen Hart's death, um, Owen Hart was taken off a lot of the upcoming video games that were coming out in 2000 and 2001, he's not in the Hall of Fame, uh, like, I completely understand from a personal standpoint why, Martha Hart and Owen's two kids, his son and his daughter, have decided that they they want nothing to do with pro wrestling because you know that that did take away their their father and their husband. And but at the same time, it does kind of suck as a wrestling fan the fact that we never we never will see Owen Hart in any of the 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 latest stuff. Like they bring all these legend back legends back every so often. And things like that. Even though they bring back Brett, Brett doesn't even mention his brother, which you know, like I said, because of the lawsuit with with Owen's wife, you know, they're not allowed to. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, they did set up the Owen Hart Foundation. They did set up all this stuff in Owen Hart's name, but you know, you can't hide the fact that Owen Hart was not a professional wrestler. You know, he comes from wrestling's first family the the heart dynasty you know and things like that so it's kind of unfortunate to see that to it's unfortunate what happened to owen hart and it's very unfortunate what happened after his death and it and it really really is something that could have been preventable the 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 controversy surrounding the fact that they kept the show going even though he just died right there in the ring uh that was kind of that was a little bit uh, you know, crossing the line there, in my opinion. But I mean, I don't blame Martha Hart and the family for you know for doing what they did, you know, surrounding Owen Hart's death and having him removed from all uh, WWE programming. 
uh, ever since. Uh, but that's the last episode of season two. And uh, this one was little. These episodes were because there's more. Um, you know, they, they had some that were a little bit darker than 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 the last one episode. Uh, season three is still coming out. I think there. I don't know how many episodes there are. I think they're on. As far as I know, there's seven episodes in season three. I've, I've seen the first four, and episodes uh, five, six, and seven have not aired yet. I think the next episode is the one involving is the one surrounding the Ultimate Warrior. Uh, it comes out tomorrow, but I'm gonna wait for the entire season to come out before I review season three. But that's gonna wrap it up for today's episode, guys. If you're a wrestling fan, I would definitely check out these this documentary. Season 1, Season 2, and Season 3 of Dark Side of the Ring. It's a very good episode. Stories of, you know, triumphs, mystery, and, you know, the stuff that happens in between. You know, I'm pretty sure that the WWE does everything they can to kind of distance themselves from what happened. But, uh, from, you know, from the stuff that goes on in these episodes, especially the Montreal Screwjob and things like that. You know, the tragic death of Owen Hart, you know. Uh, the Chris Benoit story, I'm pretty sure they do what they can, but at the same time, you can't really, you can't hide yourself from the truth. It really happened. Uh, but like I said, if you're a fan, if you're a wrestling fan, definitely check out these shows. Definitely check out the A&E biography on all the legends. Uh, you know, this is, this stuff is starting to come around. Wrestling's starting to come back to the, to the forefront like it once was. You know, if you got, if you got nothing to do in this, in these, in these days of the pandemic, definitely check these out. Uh, as always, guys, subscribe to the podcast. And wherever you're listening to, like and subscribe. Make sure you follow the podcast on all social media outlets. The Madhouse 21, Instagram, Twitter, whichever one you preferably use. And as always, guys, embrace your inner madness. <laughs>